Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name is Donna and I'm a compulsive overeater and I live in uh, St. Pete, Florida. I came into the program uh, to stay on March 23rd or 24th, 24th, uh, 1980. And um, what I'd like to tell you about briefly is what it was like before, what happened and what it's like now and also why I'm still here. And let's see. I. I could read a whole story about it that I wrote, but instead of doing that today, I'd prefer to just wing it and just kind of have fun with this and see what pops into my mind. Um, from the Midwest, uh, Milwaukee actually, big city, and um, born in 1941, I'm 81. And uh, my parents, I was an only child for seven years. My parents wanted Shirley Temple, so at age three, I started with the ballet and the tap and all that sort of thing and ended up with a uh, getting really good at percussion. Uh, my dad took over the lessons when my mom got pregnant when I was seven and um, took me to a really, really great drum teacher and I learned theory and harmony and all that kind of stuff. So I was, uh, I would say I was pretty normal until about fourth grade, other than taking all these lessons and pleasing my parents and all that sort of thing. It's a different program. So um, I noticed that uh, I, I took about two or three notes here. So I wanna say, um, for me, it's a program of addiction. I tell my sponsees that, you know, it's a, if you're here to lose weight, that's, my sponsor told me that's the only automatic part of the program, losing weight. You know, if I stay absent, I'll lose weight. It's not, nothing, I mean, that's just automatic. So at least it was for me. So, uh, but it is about addiction. And I wanted to say that when I was a kid, my mom got books and uh, one of the books was by an uh, author that wrote about China, <clears throat> popular then. And so I read these books once in a while and um, I'm just talking about addiction here. And, and um, I read about these Chinese men. I don't think there were women involved. I'm not sure now looking back, <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, they went into these opium dens and laid in, apparently laid in a cot and smoked dope or whatever they called it, used opium, would, however they used it, until they died. And as a kid, I thought, what? You're grown up. You could go to, I don't know, a theme park or something. At the, you could do whatever you want to do. And this is what you want to do? you got to be kidding. Why? I never understood that. I understand it now. <laughs> All I need is TV and food. I'm good to go for the rest of my life. That's it. The rest of this is a stretch. And uh, so anyway, I would just like to say that. And this is a program of uh, dealing with an addiction for me. And the fact that it's for me 12, 15 right now, and I haven't eaten compulsively today or last night or in the last 24 hours is a miracle. I will never get over this miracle because um, this whole program really from my logical sense, and I am not a woo-woo person, none of this makes any sense. It's like the blind leading the blind, and I can give you a million reasons why this should not work. But the fact is it does work, and it's been proven to me repeatedly. Okay, so anyway, blah, blah, blah. TV and food, yes. Um, okay, so the first time I ever remember having a pro recognizing a problem with food, I can look back, and I was probably, I'm guessing, in fourth or fifth grade, and there was a little magazine called The TV Guide, 
not to be advertising anything, but I don't think they sell it anymore. I don't know. Anyway, I ripped a page out of there because I shouldn't even name her. Okay, so a famous movie star um, had her one page. Uh, one page was her food plan for one day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, I thought this is the answer for me. I ripped it out and I carried it. And I remember the jacket I had it in. I don't know if I ever followed it or not, but I carried that around for a really, really long time. Um, I have been, by the time I got in the program at 39 years old, I was on every diet I could get my hands on when I was in the mood for it. You know, lots, most of the, probably the majority of the time I simply surrendered to my disease. I mean, it was like, it was like hopeless. What's the point? So I would just eat, but then every once in a while there was some diet that came out or some reason that I had to lose weight or, you know, I could get to a certain weight by Christmas and then I would graph it and all that kind of thing. You know how it is. I'm speaking to, I'm preaching to the choir here, but. You know, after Christmas, after my birthday, or, I, or summer's coming, I have to get into a swimming suit. So I go on a diet then. It was all these reasons for diets. And I'm a real creative person, so I could come up with a new diet. I, I thought of writing a book, 365 diets, because I could never stay on one. So I just thought, well, you know, I'll just easy to write them down, create 365. Of course, I never carry through with stuff like that. So procrastination has saved me from many things. All right, so um, went on these diets. Oh, and then I also went to these couple of food places, um, you know, professional food places. And, and this, is, this is typical. I'm only mentioning this because this does not deal with addiction. This is what they told me, kind of. You stay on the diet and we'll get you back to your, get you down to a normal weight. And incidentally, I came in the program at 225 pounds, maintaining a 100-pound weight loss. So you come in the, you're, you're going to come to us and we're going to, you know, get you down to your, go on this diet. We weigh you all the time. And then when you get back, we're going to start giving you desserts back. They probably just said food, but we all know what this is. Give your desserts back one at a time to see which one you can handle. Well, this is dangling a piece of food. I'm not going to mention food. Dangling something in front of me. And so this made so much sense. Of course, I didn't stay with it, of course, because you know how it is. Go to weigh yourself and take off your glasses and your rings. I still do that. But anyway, all that kind of nonsense. So anyway, um, I weigh once a month, incidentally. So uh, the first of the month. Or close to it whenever I can drive to the grocery store where I can't tamper with the scale. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I went on diets and gained and lost a ton of weight and all kinds of stuff like that. And and then I and then at age thirty nine, I ran it. I was in the oh, I, I I had a big reason to lose. What time is it? Had a big reason. This is good. Big reason to lose weight when I was thirty nine. I was married for about um, ten years, I think. Yeah. 10 years and um, and I couldn't get pregnant. And so, um, well, sort of a related subject. I was not sexually active until I was 29. I blamed all of that, no dating, no blah, 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 all on my weight. When I, when I looked around in life, even then, and noticed that there were people that were overweight, that were married, and I don't know what all. But for me, it just, I never got that together. I just thought it was all about losing weight. So I, I'm going to digress all over the place, and you'll pardon me or not. But um, so related to this is, which brings to my mind, one reason, one crazy thing that happened was that when I did lose 100 pounds, I had this agenda, I had this thing in my head about, I never questioned it, what, was gonna, what life was going to be like when I was at a normal weight. I never questioned it. Of course, I was going to be in a thong swimming suit, powder blue, and I was going to look like Cameron Diaz. 
or I don't know, some kind of a movie star that looks really great. And um, when you lose a hundred pounds, you don't look like Cameron Diaz and Annie That's what she looks like now. I'm not sure, but um, and I shouldn't mention a movie star, but not. anyway, um, uh, getting back to this. Uh, where I was getting in the, and I lost my train of thought entirely. Give me a second. Well, I came in the program at 39. Um, oh, the big reason to come in here. Okay. So I couldn't get pregnant. And so uh, the person, we went to a lawyer and, and they said, you know, the one thing that might be standing in the way of this, it wasn't their language, but sort of like this because you're overweight. And so I thought, I said, I remember saying at the time, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's not a problem. You know, like, I can lose weight. I've done this a thousand times. It never, never dawned on me that this, I mean, it never even crossed my mind that I wouldn't be able to do it. And so it began. And so it was diets and, and all those sort of things. And what really, really brought me to my knees and made me surrender, which is a really important part of this program, brought me to my knees big time is the fact that I had daily failure. <laughs> I don't handle failure well. Even today, I mean, I, I like to have my way. I'm not having my way, it's stress. Lose my serenity kind of a thing. And I found many ways in this program to have my way. I just have to change my way, but I didn't know that back then. So it was daily failure, daily failure. I said I was gonna eat this food that was in the refrigerator. I drive home from work at like three o'clock in the afternoon. My husband didn't get home until five or six. And, and I would say, well, you know, and I would come in the door and I would binge on whatever. And I just start eating. And um, and then my husband would get home. And of course, I had to eat with him. You can't say, well, you know, I couldn't wait for you. I had to eat. So that's two meals. Then I ate after he went to bed because he got up way before me in the morning. So um, it was daily failure, daily failure, daily failure. And just being so miserable. And um, I had, a, te- I had a, a person walk in my room my where I, I was a teacher, walk in my room one time and she said, um, something about you're having a bad year you, you haven't looked good like you're having a bad not like a bad day or a bad week <laughs> you're having a bad year I remember her saying I remember who it was too but anyway I was having a bad year so I came in the program I have a long story about how I got here it was through an AA person who I was warned that she was just really into AA and out of, out of control but anyway I ran into her and she was really really great and so I remembered that two years before this I had gone to an OA meeting I'm here. Uh, I had gone. I had gone to an OA meeting, and uh, <clears throat> of course, I hate. I didn't like it at all because I couldn't be invisible. We all sat in a circle. Hello, and then on top of that, they went around the room, and everybody had to share. Well, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, and I wouldn't leave the room because then everybody would see me. I'm really good at being invisible. I can be invisible in any situation, and it's not easy to be invisible when you're 225 pounds. However. So I didn't leave. I stayed there. And then somebody ahead of me, that was in 1978, somebody ahead of me passed. They said, I pass. I said, oh, God, that's what I'll do. And so I did. And then at the end of the meeting, they said the Lord's Prayer on top of everything else. Plus, it was in a church. And um, I had just, I know when I came, I'm just not that much of a religious person at all. And so I remember coming to Florida, and the person across the street came across the street to me and said, hello, what church do you go to? I thought, what? What? And I had been warned, you're coming to the Bible Belt. Well, anyway, I'm just not religious. And so um, I left. And two years later, like I said, I just got really, really desperate. I ran into this AA person and I hunted through the newspaper. Plus I came home and binged. I ate an entire box boiled of a 
starch product. And then, <clears throat> you know how, well, I was going to say, you know how it is. The first bowl is like nirvana coming off of a diet. It's like gold. It's like, I imagine would be putting heroin in your vein or something. I don't know where you put it. <clears throat> but then the second bowl and the third bowl, by the time you get to the end of the pot, I can't stop eating, but I really don't want to. But I eat it anyway. Because then it's all gone. And then I won't have to ever eat it again because it's gone. I mean, that's insanity. That's why I'm here. So um, anyway, I did go to my first meeting uh, in 1980. And at the end of the meeting, they said, um, they were talking about what give me literature and stuff. And um, they had this rack with, or with an orange card in it and a gray card in it. And they said, no, 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 don't give her that. Give her the new dignity of choice. So I went home with that. And being the good little girl, I don't know what you are, but I am the good little girl. If there's a rule around, I will find it and I will follow it. And I will not let, because I don't want to make any waves kind of a thing. Of course, I'm a little less like that now, but definitely then. So I went home. I took all the phone numbers when that We Care book went around, you know, and I went home and I called the numbers. And, and so, so, um, so, I, so I looked at those food plans and I thought, well, this is like a no-brainer. You pick the one with the most food. I'm only going to eat three times a day. Give me the most food I can get. <clears throat> I'll follow it, but feed me. And so um, anyway, so I call these numbers and I get one person that call the numbers, you know, and I get a person on there and she, and this is what I heard anyway. She goes, I got them. So do you have a sponsor? <laughs> and I said, no. So do you want to be my sponsor? And she said, yes. And there we were. I'm off. Day one, I get a food plan and a sponsor. And I got my one meeting a week, Monday night, and, um, and I'm off. And I write it all down, and I call her every day at 4 o'clock when I got home from work, and I tell her what I'm going to eat at dinner time and the next day. And, I'm, and, and I listen to her. And like every sponsor I've had since then, I've only had about five of them in 42 years or 43 years, whatever it is. I, math is not good. But um, she says uh, she never tells me what to do. She always says, my sponsor told me. <laughs> that if I didn't do the first three steps, I would be off of my food plan. I don't know what she said. Like, you know, I'd pick up again, whatever the language was. I got four minutes left. So I was off. I still do the dignity of choice. The food's a little bit different. I still write it down. I use a software program that a million and a half billion people use because I can click a button and it puts that food right in there, lazy as I am. The calorie thing is at the end, about one sponsor ago, I had somebody want to sponsor. I said, you know, I'm like up three or four pounds. I need to lose, I can't lose weight. She said, you got to count calories. I said, count calories? I haven't counted calories in decades. Nope, you got to count calories. I said, okay. So this, this program counts my calories and I try to keep them around. Well, I do keep them around between 1,000 and 1,300 is really high. Excuse me, you have five minutes left. Thank you. So um, so that's what I do and I I... I do my food every day, and I um, I save those on my desktop. When it gets up to a week, I send my sponsors uh, all seven for the week. I don't know if she reads them or what, but um, once in a while she comments. But typically, it's for me, really, to be honest with my food. It's really important for me to be honest with my food. I was at, I remember right where I was sitting at a meeting, I don't know when, 30 years ago, and somebody said, um, honesty starts with my food. And that's really true for me today. Um, my, I have several beliefs in the program that work for me, and one is that if I ever pick up food again, being that I will go off of my food plan. 
that I would never get abstinent again. I have to believe that. And I know I don't see in any literature in any program that says you can eat today and get abstinent tomorrow. I'm not seeing that. So um, I just convinced myself because I'm in the program with people that are good friends of mine. They've been out for 18 years. Sometimes they come to meetings for 18 years and they're still not abstinent. So it's proof positive that I will just never, and I'm 81. I mean, I don't have 18 years. What would I be? I don't know, more math, forget the math. So I do my food plant, <clears throat> have a sponsor. And my sponsor is somebody that I can really, really be honest with. I go to my meetings. Um, I, I like my food. <laughs> This is, this is the 112-step program that I get to eat. I can't do a few other things, but I can eat, and I like to eat. Trust me there. And I can make my food good food, and I, uh, I make large amounts sometimes, and I freeze. I bag up all these little bags. You know, when I cook a large bird, this, this is, it's, it's labor-intensive, weighing out all these little bags and putting them in the freezer. So I got a drawer in my freezer for protein. I got a drawer in my freezer side by side with these sections in there. So one is for vegetables, one is for this, and one is for that. Um, I don't mind eating the same food. I eat the same breakfast for years at a time until something else strikes my fancy. I am lazy <clears throat> and I want food instantly. It's just me now. I'm not teaching anymore. I haven't taught school for, for what, 15, 20 years. I don't know what. And math again. And um, I just like to get it when I want to eat it. And it's lunchtime. I want, I make six salads at a time. I have figured out how to layer them so they don't get bad. So I don't know. I just keep it simple. And um, I don't need gourmet food. That's another thing. I can binge on anything. <laughs> it doesn't have to be gourmet. It doesn't have to be a dessert. I can binge on, I don't know what, lettuce leaves. When I, have to, when I had to eat, I had to eat. That was it. I had two minutes left. I don't know. Let me think. I love the OA program. I love all my 12-step programs. I'm in a couple of other ones. But this is my first. It's my most important one. If I lose this, I lose everything. It seems like the other ones, mm, this one, Mm -mm -mm. This is my heroin. Food is my heroin, and I've never used it. And maybe it's not such a big deal for people, you know, I know people that use heroin or have. But for me to use heroin and put a needle in my arm would be the end of the world right there. But I, give, me, give me, I never needed any of that. I mean, I never needed, just give me a sweet product and a lot of it. And I can just eat myself right into a coma. I don't need drugs. This is my drug of choice right here. But I don't have to do that anymore. I don't know. I think I'm done. 30 seconds left. I'm done. Okay, continuing on. Thank you for listening to all that. There's no, oh, I, you know, I skipped God. God's a big part of my life. I did this last time I led to. Higher power is right there for me. Takes really good care of me and always has. And I don't have to do anything. My higher power is always there no matter what I do. My higher power is right there taking care of me. So yes, gratitude is good. Yes, meditation. I'm not good at that, but meditation works for a lot of people. My higher power is always there. Okay, continuing on. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. 
If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you ask a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. And, oh, and Cheryl has a question. Although maybe the first person ahead of you, I've got a little arrow in the way. The lady with the purple top on, do you have a question? I can't see your name or anything. Hi. Hi, yes, hi, Donna, I'm Susie. Um, I was, you mentioned some kind of, uh, some way you keep track of your food, some kind of app or website or something. and. So I was wondering if you could uh, tell me what that is again, please. Probably not, probably not, because it's an outside enterprise. But um, my email address, <clears throat> you can get me at um, oazumathon at, at um, gmail.com. Oazumathon at okay. oa, oa.com. OA, what am I saying? Gmail.com. <laughs> gmail I'd be happy to share it with you. Okay, so Donna, uh, I mean, oazumathon at gmail.com. That's it. Thank you. Welcome. Cheryl? Donna, this is Deb. Do you want me to call on people for you? Is no, that... because they turned out. it turns out that the line across the top, they're over on the left side. Okay, so you got it. Awesome. Thank you. Except uh, I've got a little thing that's covering up some of them. Okay, so Cheryl, you want to share or ask? Donna, thank you so much for your lead. Um, I'm going to try to articulate my question. It's, if you don't understand it, it's my fault, not yours. You seem to me to be supremely serene. And I'm wondering if you ever had, in your 43 years of abstinence, strength in working the program and achieving or being blessed with abstinence, but having serenity be elusive did that ever happen to you and what did you do to try to experience more serenity okay well uh, somebody time me on this we'll do like three minutes maybe or four at the most so um maybe <clears throat> well yes because when i first came in the program um I don't know how many years it was. Well, first of all, I, I, I ended up after six months screaming into the telephone to a therapy place near me here. And uh, they took me in on a crisis basis. Uh, basically, for not all, all this unserenity for me is not having my way. But there's a reason I wasn't having my way. And my way was a good way. And, uh, and also, I heard, I, heard in the prog I heard someplace, uh, life is a bitch and then you die. And that was my mantra for a long time at the beginning of this 12-step uh, program. It was my only 12-step program at that time for years. And my life was so horrible. Uh, we adopted, uh, an adoption came through two weeks after I was in the program. So I left my teaching job. I stayed home for the next four years. I ended up back in school. I went to, had to, in order to maintain my job, I had to go back to, back to school. And, um, and I was, and when the dust started settling in my life, when I got abstinent, and the dust started settling and I, and I looked around 
and it didn't exactly happen like that, but sort of. A whole lot of stuff started really bothering me a lot. <laughs> and I had to make some changes. And, and, and so it was really horrible because I couldn't figure out a way to get my way. There were, there were no options there for me. I mean, I had an infant, so I didn't want to get divorced. Plus, I was Catholic. Nobody in my family other than my grandmother or my mother's side ever got divorced. I mean, it was out of the question. My parents argued every day of their lives and they, until they died in their 80s and they never got divorced. Um, so I had to make changes. And, and it was like repeatedly, through, and it hasn't happened for a while, but uh, I it was sort of like pushing myself off of a, not even exaggerating, pushing myself off of a high cliff and holding on to whatever twig I could hang on to with one hand and then pushing myself off with the other hand. But I had to, I had to make choices even though there was no choice that I really wanted. I just had to pick the best thing I could pick and, and know that according to what I'm thinking, this is not gonna work out ever. I mean, you don't get divorced with a, with a, a three-day-old baby. But, but in fact, I was divorced. It came through after four years after being in the program. And so after 13 years of marriage. So, um, so that's how I started out. I'm a, I have a lot of serenity today. First of all, you know, my daughter, now 41, um, there wasn't a lot of serenity with the teenage years or even long before that. <laughs> so I taught school. That, that's uh, un, unserenity right there. So there's a lot of things. Now I'm retired, so hello. It's the dog and me, <laughs> unless Mr. Wonderful shows up. And then I've got such a long list of, uh, of prerequisites there <laughs> that he's never going to pass the test. So forget, forget that. Unless he lives in a house nearby, he's never living with me. I can tell you that right now. And um, <laughs> I can't even imagine it, maybe in a tent. And the ER or something, I don't know. And you know what? Just reminds me. My parents said to me, Donna, no one will ever live with you. I mean, that was good. Different people have different things engraved in their head. That was engraved in my head. And another one was, any damn fool can get pregnant. So get an education. <clears throat> Plus, no one's going to live for you, live with you ever. So there was, so that was all of that. I don't know, Serenity, you know, I, I'm able to stay away from people that b bother me today. I don't know if that's in the big book or not, but, but um, there's no reason for me to be around anyone that gives me a lot of aggravation. I don't know, but I don't have to work today. But I imagine if I wanted to have aggravation, I could. Well, you know, I've got my daughter, so <laughs> hello. Um, but I know what not to say. I used to have a book, <laughs> I still have it. Then I would write down stuff that I really wanted to say to her, but I don't dare say because I want to maintain a relationship with her. So she's my only child. And um, so I learned how to close my mouth. If you're looking for an answer, that's, that's a start. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Have a sponsor that you can talk to and, and uh, maybe really, I, I'm a person that's really honest in my meetings. I mean, I went to a meeting one time, her son died like the day before or that day she went to a meeting she just sat there and just didn't even say anything. I don't know if I, maybe it was her dog. I'm not to downplay the death of a son, but um, <clears throat> but when I go to a meeting, I just tell people what's going on right now. That's that's it. And um, if I'm miserable, 
you're going to hear miser you're going to hear miserable i am not the positive person the positive pitch person i don't care who's in the meeting i don't care if it's their first minute in the meeting if my dog dies i'm going to be sitting there crying my head off that's it so i, I think honesty is really important and have a sponsor you can be honest with okay i'll close my mouth maybe somebody else thank you Melissa has a question. Oh, okay. Hi, Donna. Thank you for your share. Can you tell us what your daily spiritual routine looks like? Thanks. Oh, I'm embarrassed to tell you what my daily spiritual routine looks like. I do not jump out of bed and get on my knees and pray. I do not meditate early in the morning. I can tell you that right now. So when I get up, I have breakfast. <laughs> I'm sorry. And take care of the dog before he pees on the floor. So, um, I don't know. This is not my strong suit. I have a higher power who, um, I, this is, you know, this this is embarrassing to say. But I, I've said this before in a meeting. My higher power has to catch me on the fly. That's it. Um, I have a happy higher power. I have a male higher power. He, he, um. I really don't think this, but he's probably sitting on a cloud up there laughing most of the time, I think. And I just carry on down here on earth doing the best I can do, making my decisions best I can, wanting my way all the time, being the same person I always am. And um, change comes hard. I'm looking forward maybe to the day when I could say, I'm going to meditate now and then sit down for a period of time. It's torture. <laughs> That's all I can say. Some people really like this. It's not my thing. I don't know. I, I do. I do put into my daily plan. I do have several spreadsheets. I'm a spreadsheet person, and I do have one for the daily plan. And I put it in there on those lines so that every once in a while it says pray or something. And I do at the end of my day. I do what I call my tenth step, and uh, and it's one piece of paper with all the little columns. It's got like 20 columns going across and it's got all the all the rows going down for every day of the month. And there's one tiny little square, that, a tiny little square for everything I can think of on there. <clears throat> and one is um, pray. You know, how many times, estimate, how many times did you pray or even think about your higher power yesterday? So, I don't know. You know, the only time I stop is when I'm sitting on the toilet or putting gas in my car pretty much. The rest of the time I'm, I don't know, doing something or thinking about something else. But I have a higher power that takes care of me regardless of all of this. And I do have a lot of gratitude for that. And when I get it in my mind that there isn't any such thing, which the whole thing seems so unreasonable to me. I told a priest one time, the whole thing sounds very far-fetched. That's what I told him. And they had my therapist, my therapist sent me to a retreat center, a Catholic retreat center, so that I could be quiet for the whole weekend. But I took it upon myself to meet with a priest for the first time, and I don't know when. And I remember saying to him, this whole thing sounds very far-fetched. This whole 12-step program sounds very far-fetched. But the fact is, it works. So my spiritual routine, I don't know. Anybody but me has a better one than this. Listen to somebody else, I would think. Thank you. We've got a little less than five minutes left for questions. Okay. 
The problem is on my screen, I can't see the very first one. So when you raise your hand, you'll have to just maybe talk because there's a little arrow and a one seven over there. Now I see Bob's hand up. Thank you. Right. Um, okay. Sorry, Riley. If you want to stay there in your spot with your hand up for the whole meeting, that would really help me a lot. Okay, go ahead, Riley. Okay, Donna, thank you for sharing. I am the spouse, a loving spouse of a person that's in OA. I've, I've listened in on the meetings for the last few weeks, and I'm at, I would like to know, do you have any advice for a spouse uh, of what I can do to be supportive and maybe things I should avoid? Well, <laughs> one thing, don't touch her food, especially if she's weighing and measuring. The man in my life once said to somebody at the table when we were eating out, don't ever touch her food, she'll kill you with her fork. So, so don't touch her food. Don't, egg, don't even talk about the program at all, I wouldn't think. Maybe go to some Al-Anon meetings. They're really good at that. And go to an Al-Anon, go to an, and I'm probably not supposed to talk about other programs, but <clears throat> go to that one because they've been in session for a long time and find an Al-Anon meeting where they're talking about themselves and not the alcoholic. That would be my suggestion. If they talk about the alcoholic, just leave. Find one where they where they think themselves as sick, because <laughs> they are. <clears throat> and just uh, it's her program. Just let her alone, and go to Al-Anon. That's you're the spouse. Sometimes they have uh, OA Anon, but Al-Anon's been around a long time. They know what they're doing. Anybody else? We've got Bob next. Bob, thank you. Um, hey, Donna, thank you very much for your share fellow Wisconsinite. Anyway, um, so what is service meant to your program? Oh, gosh. That's a good, now I can, I, I look good there. <laughs> I do a lot of service and always have. I mean, I had a reputation early on. I said, Donna, all you do is go to meetings, meetings, meetings. And so I, I like to go, I did go to even, well, I, you know, considering my other 12-step programs, I do go to a lot of meetings and, uh, and I do a lot of service, I think. Um, so service is really, really important. And early on, I remember saying that service is the thing that, like my phone would ring because I was involved in some kind of service someplace. And even when I was in the mood, was not in the mood for any of this, the phone would ring or I'd have some obligation or something that I had to do. So it would keep me, keep me involved in the program when I just got lazy about it. So service is really, really, cri really critical. You know, and it's a disease of isolation. So like I said, all I need is a T, there's nobody there. I TV and food, I'm good to go for the rest of my life. That's my opium done right there. So it's a stretch, making phone calls or sending out stuff on email. I mean, I, I just hate checking, even checking my email, <laughs> all of that. I don't like doing any of it. I don't like doing anything other than watching TV and eating. So everything is on a scale of bad and worse for, for everything and, and service certainly but you know, when I do it, like when I do, like when I'm here doing this, it's really fun. I'm gonna listen to more of you. And when I, so when I go to a meeting, I hear so many things. It's kind of like reading literature because all of us wrote the literature, <clears throat> people, but, um, but being in a real meeting with real people and I love Zoom because I get to Zoom around the world and go like to California now and stuff. So meet new people. It's not what I really wanna do, but then when I do it, cause I do it, it's really what I like to do best of all. So I find my, my thing in old age is the older I get, the more I am aware 
I, I believe that people are the most important thing of, of anything. Other than my higher power, of course, but other than that, you know. Patricia, might be you. Keep in mind, there's only about 30 seconds left, question and answer. Okay, Patricia, did you have a question or are you just there? Yeah, just a quick question. I, uh, how do you layer a salad without it going bad? I thought that was fascinating. Oh, I've never been able to do it. I will show you. I, I'll invite you into the kitchen and hold my phone up so you can see next time I do them. I have a special process, of course. Being a spreadsheet person, you can imagine that. And a musician, so I'm very, there's a part of me that's very organized. And you know, it's a OA Zoomathon at gmail.com. Excuse me, that's the end of questions. Thank you. May I give my phone number? 727 480 0865.